What an honor to be with you and to be with Calvary Chapel friends. Ah, life is good with Jesus. <laughs> I grew up going to Chuck Smith's church every Saturday for concerts in Costa Mesa. And that was my first acquaintance with the Calvary Chapel movement. And then I got to go so many other times as well. And my dear friend Danny Lehman, maybe you've heard that name. He's with us and Youth with the Mission. I'm with Youth with the Mission. And he's with us, and he is actually teaching this weekend at one of your conferences down in southern Florida. So I just love the friendships that have come over the years with, with the body of Christ, with people. And I love the friendship. I walked in here and heard you talking together, and ah, it got me so excited. <laughs> life is about making friends, isn't it? <laughs> and the more I study the life of Jesus, the more I'm discovering that Jesus was all about friendship. <laughs> Most of what he did was he hung out with 11 guys, <laughs> 12. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> one had other ideas later. Uh, but life is about making friends, isn't it? And I just really get excited for you to have this time here together. You know, I grew up and I always heard God was good. But the more I got older, I more realized there's probably a better way to say it, that God is really good. <laughs> And then life went on, and I realized maybe that's not the best way either, but maybe a better way is that God is really, really good. <laughs> God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> Amen. Deep theology. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say that God is really, 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 really good. <laughs> Uh, I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up, my dad was a carpenter, mom was a housewife, and it was my older sister. I got an older sister and a younger sister, and my older sister heard of an organization, Youth with a Mission, where you could go experience a mission experience, and she was 18, and she thought, okay, it's a six-month experience, so I'll go, and discover that, and then I'll come back and go to college. <laughs> and she never left Youth with a Mission. <laughs> uh, my sister is my hero. When I get older, I want to be like her. And uh, she was 19, and she was 19 years old, and she was working at a YWAM base where actually this Danny Lehman was in Honolulu, Hawaii. And she was praying one day, and she felt this tug on her heart, these simple words, go to Nepal. And she's like, where's Nepal? <laughs> she didn't know. Is that next to Starbucks or what? Um, long story short, it's north of India. And so she was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I should go. Then she looked into it, and there was nobody there yet. And there was no one leading any work team or leading teams there. And she looked at herself like, what could I ever do? You know, I'm 19, don't know what I'm doing. And it was about six months later that Danny came up to her and said, well, what's going on with Nepal? And she's like, well, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, and there's nobody there, and no team's going there. And, and then she asked the big question, how do you feel God's leading you? She's like, well, I think he's saying go. <laughs> he's like, well, go. <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> so at age 19, my sister bought a one-way ticket to Nepal. <laughs> says go. It doesn't say come back. <laughs> it's just what it says. So, and she started. 
and ups and downs in that first year she was there, days where she was learning language, people really interested in Jesus, and many in the church interested to raise up their own missions movements that she could support and serve. And then she had hard days. She was in prison for nine days in her first year for sharing faith. And she had many days of being sick. And I remember I called her after about a year. And I'm like, Liz, I know it's been up and down. Why don't you just come back, you know? <laughs> like, God's really nice, you know? He'll forgive you, you know? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I could come back. But if I'm honest, I don't know 100% I'm supposed to be here, but I think I am. And that's enough for me. And she stayed. And if you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Today, our training schools, we have eight training schools all across Nepal. We have over 500 full-time staff. We have planted over 200 churches across the villages of Nepal. Over 1,000 Nepalis are training every year so they can go into all the world to preach the gospel. Ha-ha! <laughs> So that's my older sister. They started it. Her and her husband started in YWAM India, which is now over 90 locations, over 2,000 churches across India. And it's just really, really growing. And that's where they raised their two daughters. I've been in missions now for 33 years, mostly in Afghanistan for 10 years, where I worked at a hospital. And then I was in Iran, where I was in prison. I got out, <laughs> in case you're wondering. And, yeah, and then, <clears throat> yeah, for the last uh, 12 years that I've been at our main training center where Lauren Cunningham, our founder, is, which is in Kona, Hawaii. Then my younger sister, her dream was to be a mom, which is a beautiful dream. And she was 19 and felt God say, go to northern India. And her and her husband raised four kids living 30 years in Kashmir in northern India. So that's my whole family. We all became missionaries. So my parents are like, if we ever want to see our kids, we got to join this missions thing. So they joined. <laughs> and uh, I'm blessed with a very godly mom. When she found out I was in prison in Iran, in the first public prayer meeting, this is what she prayed. God, I pray that Dan doesn't get out of prison till all your purposes are fulfilled. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Mom. I'm glad somebody else was praying. <laughs> oh, God, get him out. But my mom has always pushed us kids to God, and she's actually written a book about it, um, Releasing Your Children to the Lord. Probably the biggest challenge for many, many that want to do missions today is often from the parental side, and so her and, her, her and my dad, they both are like, no, we trust what God, you, God in you, and what God's leading you is what we want you to do. And so that was my mom. She only sees it as the gift of God that she got to see her kids go all over the world. Uh, <clears throat> God is doing good things. My journey of walking with God all started when I was 16. I was a believer, but I, I was at a conference, and what I didn't know is at this conference, something would hit me. And not only would it hit me then, but it would continue to hit me today. But a man came to the church and he said this. He said, everything you do for God should come from an intimacy or friendship with God. 
that whatever you do for God should come from intimacy with God. And I remember sitting there going, what is intimacy with God? How do you get that? So I went outside. We were in the mountains, and I found a river, and I started throwing these rocks in the river. And as I'm throwing these rocks in the river, a question pops into my mind. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? And I'm like, what was that? So I kept throwing rocks. Like, how do, you, how do you get friendship with God, like at the store or at the gas station or, you know, on Monday or Tuesday or at work? And then I heard a second time in my heart. I'm like, hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? So I kept throwing the rocks. Like, how does this work from, like, where there's a speaker, okay, but what about my world and my life and what I do? <laughs> and I, I, then I heard it a third time inside. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped. I'm like, where is that voice coming from, you know? I don't think it's the devil, right? He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, <laughs> not with us. I don't think it's me unless I'm going crazy. <laughs> but it can't be God. No, God's out there, and God's amazing. And why would he care about me throwing rocks? Like, that's not important, you know? Like, But I kept throwing rocks, and I kept feeling it. So I finally stopped. My like, Jesus, yes, you can throw rocks with me, but why? And that's when I felt God look down from heaven and said these simple words right to my heart. Because you want to. I'm like, that's it. He's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I discovered that Jesus was madly in love with me. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would do for him. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would become. He was in love with me for me. On that day, I discovered that he likes me. <laughs> I didn't like myself. Why would he like me? From that day until today, I've been discovering this unconditional love of God again and again and again. Do you ever struggle with the word unconditional? <laughs> yeah, it's unconditional, but <laughs> I better do that. Yeah, it's unconditional, but I better not do that. No, it is unconditional. Like there's nothing we can do in our entire lives that will make him love us more than he loves us right now. As I discovered this, it changed my life. As I travel and meet two kinds of believers, those that are living for the Father's approval and those living from the Father's approval. So many are like, if I just do a little bit more, God will be happy with me. And then there's those that discover, no, I'm in, I'm in, and we can live our whole life from the reality that we're loved. Isn't it amazing in the life of Jesus that his Father in heaven decides a moment to let everybody know what he thinks of his Son, and it's at his baptism, and he comes out of the water, and we hear these booming words, this is my Son, in him I am well pleased. How much ministry had he done at that moment? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, and we can live our whole life from this reality that we're loved. What I didn't know at that time was that I would discover it again and again throughout my life. My journeys look like this. So many days waking up. Jesus, what should I do? And I feel like Jesus says, Dan, good to see you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more my love. <laughs> and life goes on. And I'm like, okay, God, I know you love me, but what should I do? And God's like, Dan, good to see you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> Last year, during lockdown and everything, so many days, like, Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus is like, 
Dan, good to see you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more. My love. <laughs> like the love of God is an unending ocean. And the more I discover the love of God, the more I discover there's more to know about the love of God. <laughs> like when I'm 90 years old, I want to be in an old people's home. <laughs> I love those places. <laughs> Get to be with your friends every day. <laughs> Get to learn their name every day. <laughs> Places are awesome. <clears throat> and when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, good morning, what should I do? I think he'll be like, Dan, good to see you, buddy. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> love is the deepest motivator of the human heart. And when you know you're loved, you want to love back. How do you love God back? You find out what's on his heart. And that was so my journey as I began to go discover God's love from the Muslim world. That was where God had me go to Afghanistan. And I love Muslims. Many Muslims have become some of my dearest friends. I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity to go and live there among them and be among them and, and to love them. <clears throat> and God changed my life. I had the privilege to live there Working at a hospital, it was the only way to get a, a place there to live. I got a business degree from college, and that's how I got in. But it was there that God's love and heart for the Muslim world just grew and grew in my life. It was also there that God began to put on me and my friend's heart one day as we were praying, why don't you guys go visit Iran? Iran, the neighboring nation, they spoke the same language as I had learned. And so we prayed and prayed, and we felt this peace. I could get a visa because I'm a dual citizen with Switzerland. My dad is Swiss. I'm a Swiss-American. My friend was South African. And we prayed, and we got visas, and we went into Iran. Had two amazing weeks in Iran. I love Iran. <laughs> I was so amazed as I was there to be among them and to hear, the, hear, hear their stories. I don't know if you're knowing, hearing it about around the world. It's probably the fastest growing church movement in the world today. Very much similar to what happened in China 10, 20 years ago. It's happening now in Iran. Millions are coming to Jesus. Yes, we hear the bad news or the challenges with the government. But among the people is this growing movement. I remember the first night I was there, I was eating a hamburger. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> And I get this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and there is this man. He's like, you speak English? I'm like, yes. He's like, where are you from? I said, America. He's like, oh, I heard Americans know about Jesus. I said, I do. He's like, can you tell me? I'm like, sure. We gather 50 of his friends and spend the night talking about Jesus. We had a great two weeks enjoying their hospitality, enjoying being with them. But that's when things changed. As we got to the border, they didn't, <clears throat> we were on a local bus. They took our passports to stamp them. They never gave me and my friend's passport back. Finally, the bus driver came and said, yeah, we're ready to go. We're like, yeah, we're ready too, but we're just waiting for our passports. He's like, well, we can't wait forever. And long story short, yeah, the bus left. A few hours later, they came to us. We're like, what happened? Again, I, I can speak their language. They said, sorry, sorry, come with us. 
We walked into a room. We did not know what we were doing. And that's when they separated me and my friend and said, yeah, we want to talk to you privately. And as they walked me into this room, that's where they began to beat me for about six hours, hitting me in the face, spitting on me, kicking me. They dragged me down these stairs. They'd been doing the same to my friend in another room. All of a sudden, they took off our glasses and they blindfolded us and they let us outside. As they let us outside, there was no explanation why. They took us to another building and there, that's when they took all our clothes away, put us in prison clothes. And at the end of that crazy day, they let us down these stairs and put me into one prison cell and my friend into another one. And we were in prison in Iran. What is life like in prison in Iran? The first thing I want to tell you is about the goodness of God. That God is still good even when we can't see it. That God is still good even when we can't feel it. The very first thing I did in prison was cried out to Jesus. Jesus, how long will I be here? And I felt impressed in my heart. You're going to be here for nine weeks. I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name, you know. (laughs) Sometimes you get it wrong, you know. (laughs) Maybe it was nine minutes, you know. (laughs) I never knew one day to the next how long I would be there. But the day I was released was nine weeks to the minute. Why? Because it's all about God. It's all about God. My life was a little cell like this. And there I was. I was alone the whole time. No mattress, sleeping on the floor. There was a toilet and a sink. And then the big steel door, not with the bars like we have in America, but just a steel door door with a peak hole. And this was my life. So what do you do in prison? (laughs) I used to go for walks. You know, I could do four steps (laughs) and turn around. They fed me twice a day. They would come by with a cart of food. And I remember that first day I would stick out my plate. They gave me some rice and meat, and it was okay. But that first day, they gave me three sugar cubes. And I'm like, I wonder what that's for. And the next thing I know is they gave me a big cup of tea. And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if the sugar cubes are for the tea. And then I'm thinking, I don't need to put in the tea. I could save the sugar cubes. Because you never know when you can use a sugar cube. So that's what I did. So after a few weeks, all of a sudden, I had a lot of sugar cubes. So then one day I had this idea. I'm like, wait a minute. And sure enough, when they came to give me food, they would open the door. And I looked on the cart with all the food, thinking, okay, I wonder where they're getting the sugar cubes from. And there I saw the box of sugar cubes. I'm like, can I have a whole box of sugar cubes? The guy's like, all right. (laughs) And I had over a 1,000 sugar cubes. There's so much fun to have with a sugar cube. There really is. Like I would make buildings, you know, and I could make towers. Forget Legos, you know. (laughs) And I remember making my buildings one time, and the guards would walk by, and they'd see me, and they'd be like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, this guy's been here too long. (laughs) Uh, I've never played with sugar cubes since. Uh, yeah, I love to look back, even at hard times, and look at a moment or a few moments where you can see that God was good. But the reality was, it was the worst time of my life. I'm not a good prisoner. 
Every day I would try to have moments of faith, but then my depression would just seem to overtake. And this was my journey in the first two weeks. I found out I had two death sentences on my life. One for being a missionary, one for being a spy. And with that, the moments of hope came much greater moments of like depression or wondering how long will I be here. And I'll never forget two and a half weeks in, it led me to the worst day of my life. And I'll tell you about this day because of the end of the day. But I woke up one day and I was done inside. I was done. Never been so depressed. And as I sat in my room that moment, morning, I had this idea. Dan, check out. Why live your life here? And all of a sudden I looked at the sink. And as I looked at the sink, I thought, wait a minute. I could take off my sock. If I plugged the sink, I could fill it with water. There were places on the side of the sink to tie a towel, and they had given me a big towel. If I fill it with water and tie one side of the sink with the towel, and if I put my head under the water and put it over my head, if I tie it really tight on this end, then six, seven minutes, I'd be free. I'd be out of there. And four times I tried. And every time I tried, I was too scared. I was too scared to tie the towel tight on the other end. So when I couldn't breathe, I could untie it and get my head out. I'll never forget the last time. Oh, I've never been so broken in my life. I've never been so full of shame in my life. And I'm lying on the ground. As I'm lying on the ground, all of a sudden the room starts to shake. All of a sudden, I, I, I lift my head not knowing what's going on. And the room's a glorious white light. I can't describe it. And I've had a few visions in my life, and I was simply sitting there, and I felt like it was a vision of simply Jesus. Very similar to what we might have seen in a movie, a Middle Eastern man. But his face was filled with kindness, filled with acceptance, filled with warmth. And as I stared, I felt these loving words came out of Jesus right to my heart. Dan, I still like you. Dan, I still want you. And if you let me, I'll take care of you. And from that day until today, I have never had those thoughts again. That's who Jesus is. He did not just rescue me from prison. No, he rescued me from me. That in the midst of my despair, he wanted me because he's that good. He's that good. And life went on. They took me one day and they took me into a shower room. I'm like, what's this? They're like, shower. And I look and sure enough, it looked like a shower. And then I hear them close the door. When they closed the door, I didn't hear any lock. And I looked, and the lock was on my side. (laughs) So I locked the door. (laughs) Shower was so nice, you know, it was hot and good water pressure. (laughs) After five minutes, they came hitting the door. Get out of the shower. I'm like, coming. (laughs) I enjoy the shower. (laughs) It was so nice. And then five minutes later, they came even more. They're like, sir, we said get out of the shower. I'm like, coming, <laughs> and I enjoy the shower. <laughs> like, what are they going to do, put me in prison? <laughs> so I spent an hour in the shower. <laughs> uh, 
I finally came out, and they're like, why'd you take so long? I'm like, I got nothing else to do. They <laughs> said, okay, go to your cell. I'm like, that's where I thought I was going. <laughs> One of the big blessings there in prison is they gave me my Bible. And what an honor, honor to get my Bible and to read. The book of Philippians really came alive, came alive to me, <laughs> you know. And there it is, chapter 4, verse 11, I've learned to be content. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and it was such a challenge there in prison, but it was such a beautiful journey of slowly turning my eyes more to look at Jesus than to be overwhelmed by my circumstances. And I love that journey throughout my life again and again and again and again. Yeah, just to simply turn on Jesus and look to him and not get overwhelmed by what I was seeing. And I so see that in the life of Paul, how he had learned to be content. And I said, God, take me on that journey. And while I was there, I got to see the goodness of God in very dramatic ways. All glory to Jesus. But they took me one day to a courthouse. That's when they shared officially that I had the two death sentences on my life. They took me in. I'm standing there, hundreds of people, video, and in walks a judge. He said, sir, this is your last chance to speak. Tell us today why. Why did you come to Iran? I was scared. <laughs> I'm shaking. And as I was shaking, something happened. Ha <laughs> ha, Jesus. And a scripture pops in my mind. Matthew 10, 19, don't be afraid when you're called before the authorities. For at that time, I'll give you the words to say. And I'm like, sir, I came here today to tell you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, what did I say? <laughs> and as soon as I said it, something woke up inside of me. And the fears I had struggled with and the insecurities fell away. And the truth of what I really believe came out. And I said it a second time. And then a third time. And I ended up preaching over half an hour. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus loves you and he loves you and he loves everybody here. And maybe you're wondering why you're here today. Well, Jesus loves you and I just got going. And as I was preaching... <laughs> unplanned, <laughs> I realized something else. I was free. I was free. Why? Because you can't kill a dead man. You can't kill a dead man. So what if they kill me? My home is heaven, and I'm going home to heaven. Uh, so what would they do for me? I'm going home to heaven, and they can't take that away. And I kept preaching. <laughs> they didn't kill me. <laughs> you probably realize that. <laughs> One of the most special days of my life. And life went on. My friend was released after five weeks. He was South African. He got a phone call from Nelson Mandela. Because <laughs> it helps who you know. <laughs> South Africa was a buyer of Iranian oil at that time. But then something else that God did in my life, this is more of a journey. I'll tell you about it. It started the very first day. I was beaten by one man and only by one man. And that very first day as this man was beating me, I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to my heart these simple words. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. I'm like, not a good time. <laughs> not a good time. 
And I felt like the Holy Spirit kept impressing on my heart, I want you to love your enemies. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. There was so much injustice of that moment. And all of a sudden, I felt like Jesus wonderfully prodded these simple words into my heart. Dan, ask me what I think of him. And God changed the subject. I love when he does that. Yeah, you know, he was all about me at that moment, but he also had other thoughts for others as well. I'm like, Jesus, what do you think of this man? And the love of God hit me. And I realized that God loved this man, that God loved his wife and his kids, and he always loved him. There was only one challenge, and it was that he didn't know it yet. I'm like, God, you really love me. He's like, Dan, more than you'll ever know. And I'm like, God, change my heart. Change my heart. And all glory to Jesus, he changed my heart. In the coming days, I started to see a shift. I started to bless this man. I started to say kind words about him. I started to honor him as much as I could. I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I had no idea it would be the last day I'd see him. But they'd take me into the interrogation room every time I would shake as they'd take off my blindfold. But on that day, something happened. (laughs) Ha ha, Jesus. And I look at him, and I'm like, Sir, if I'm going to see you every day the rest of my life, let's become friends. He's like, What? (laughs) I'm like, Yeah, we see each other every day. Let's be friends. Why not? He's like, we will never be friends. And something rose up within me. I'm like, no, sir, today things change. Let's be friends. And we can start by exchanging names. He had never told me his name. That wasn't allowed. My name was 58 because that was the number of my cell. I'm like, sir, let's be friends. And I stuck out my hand to shake his hand. And that's when he froze. Then he starts to shake. Then he took his hand out of his pocket and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, he wouldn't let go. Then tears started to come down his face. And he looked at me and he said, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak, a common Iranian name, and I would love to be your friend. (laughs) Ha ha. There is no heart too hard for Jesus. He can change the hardest heart. Uh, So I looked at him. I'm like, I'm so glad we're friends. (laughs) He's like, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Dan, I'm so, so sorry, but I can't get you out of the prison. I said, I know that. He's like, but in the prison, I have some authority. Do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, bigger room. You know, for my sugar cube buildings. <laughs> He's like, you got a lot of sugar cubes? I'm like, yeah. He's like, let me see what I can do. <laughs> Never saw that man again in my life, but that night I got moved to a bigger cell. <laughs> and I knew that God had changed that man's heart. Because that's who Jesus is. And life went on. Then one day they put me into a van next to an African man. And I'm like, oh, maybe he speaks English. So I said, do you speak English? He said, yes, I do. And I recognize the accent. I'm like, where are you from? He's like, Louisiana. I'm like, you're an American. He's like, yeah. I said, so am I. We're like, what's up? What's up? I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, dude, how long have you been here? He's like, 15 months. I'm like, you're joking. He's like, no, 15 months. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know. 
And I've never seen that man again in my life. I do know he got out. He got out a couple months after me. But I'll never forget that night. Every night I would dream of getting out, you know, and I didn't care how I got out, you know. <laughs> you know, Brad Pitt or Matt Damon with a rope from the ceiling. <laughs> you know, that works. Or what about the Christian thing, you know, an angel at the door, <laughs> you know, let's go. And that night I got really honest. Dan, he's been here 15 months. He's an American. What if you're here 15 months? Like, Dan, what if you're here like five years, like 10 years? And I remember that night wrestling in my soul. I just wanted one thing. I just wanted to understand. How could this be the plan of God? How could this be what he dreamed for me? I said, God, I just need to understand. And God said nothing. And I'll never forget, late into the night, finally, I gave up. I gave up control. And I'm like, God... I don't understand why I would be here the rest of my life, but I don't care. I trust you. I trust you with what makes no sense. I trust you with what I don't understand. Why? Because I know you're good. I know you're good. And I know you throw rocks with me that you really like me. So I trust you. And God won my heart again. I love when God wins our, my heart. He usually has a surprise around the corner. <laughs> For me, it was literally three hours later. They opened my door. They're like, gather your things. <laughs> you got a lot of sugar cubes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I put them all in my blanket. I don't know what I'm doing. He takes me to a room and he said, get dressed. And I'm expecting another set of prison clothes. And I look down and it's my clothes. They didn't fit. And I had lost 55 pounds. <laughs> So I'm holding my pants like this. Why would they be making me get dressed? I heard people being executed in there sometimes, and I thought maybe that was it. They took me on a bus to a courthouse, but not to a courtroom this time, simply to an office. As I walk in, the head judge of all the courts of Iran walks in, and he says this. He says, today, because of our friendship with Switzerland, as we've been working with their embassy... We choose to release Dan Bauman, and he's a free man. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was like Jesus was yelling over from heaven. Surprise! <laughs> the best surprise ever. Ah. And as I got up, the Swiss ambassador came up to me and said, you're coming with me. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> God did not just rescue me from prison, no, but he rescued me from me. That in the midst of my despair, he was still good and he still wanted me. I got into his car and I locked those doors. <laughs> I got to his house and I was there for a few days. I'd been released from prison by an executive order of the president of the country. He said, yeah, we don't know if what he's decided has gotten to the people, so we need to get you out on a plane, a flight to Switzerland. I'm like, okay, okay. And I remember being so nervous at that airport, and I finally got to Switzerland. <laughs> and God gave me my freedom back, the freedom to go for a walk, the freedom to use a phone, the freedom to call a friend. The freedom to not play with sugar cubes. 
the freedom to just enjoy the day. But the greatest freedom was once again I could throw rocks with Jesus. I could enjoy the lover of my soul. <clears throat> From that time, I've gone all over the world telling people about Jesus. I've been to over 100 countries. Even in the last six months, I've been to over 14 countries. All glory to Jesus. Yeah, it's hard in these days where you got to be so careful and go case by case and check on the situation. But just less than a month ago, I was in Afghanistan and God is moving in Afghanistan. We are seeing a hundred, over 100 now home house churches started in, in Afghanistan. We know of many, many coming to Jesus. I had the privilege to go to Dubai just a month ago as well and to Cairo. God is moving in Cairo. I've had the privilege to go to Brazil and I had the privilege to go to Europe. All glory to God. Not trying to push my own agenda, but man, I'm just so honored to be a part of the Great Commission. God's not on vacation. He is with us, and he encourages us and tells us to go into all the world to preach the gospel. <laughs> and he's really, really good. He's really good. And I don't know your stories. I don't know where you've been. But man, if he can rescue me from prison, he can rescue you. I was not supposed to get out, but God had another plan. That's who he is. Amen. Thanks for letting me share my heart. Yeah. Can, can I pray for you? Yeah, God, thank you. Thank you for my friends. Thank you that we get to be together, God. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, God, for rescuing me from prison. Thank you, God, for rescuing me from that place. Thank you, God, for rescuing me from me, that in the midst of my problems, you still wanted me and you still had plans for me. And I pray, God... Yeah, that whatever my friends are going through in this room, that it would be a beautiful day of discovering that you're still good, that you're still good and that you're for them and you're with them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for that day when I had the privilege just to discover again. Yeah, that, that, that you're good. Even if I don't understand, even if I didn't know if I'd be there the rest of my life, yeah, we love you, Jesus. We love walking with you. You're really good. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Yeah, amen.